0: Thanks, Becky. And please do grab the Bibles from in front of you and open up to Mark's Gospel in chapter two. And we're going to be continuing the sermon series that we started last week, uh, looking at how we can draw closer to God through the spiritual disciplines. And this week, the the discipline of Sabbath. Uh, and the, the link is that if Sarah and I are moving in May, the staff team I know are looking forward to a bit of Sabbath rest coming about the start of June. Um, but we're gonna, we're gonna zoom in to Mark chapter last knowing last from the staff team there. Um, we're going to read Mark chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 23. Uh, and Sabbath, uh, and with it the disciplines of stopping, of silence, of solitude, uh, it's such an important discipline, and particularly, uh, I think Sabbath is the crucial antidote to the toxic culture that we are living in every day. Uh, the frenetic and the hurried environment in which we live that makes us too busy all the time, too anxious, that makes us feel harried day by day, where we're pulled along to the pace of the world. And as we try and run to keep up, we, we inevitably feel disconnected from God, inevitably. Um, and so for some of us today, I'm bringing a particular word from the Lord, and you just need to listen for the next 30 seconds, then you can switch off for the next two hours of the sermon. Um <laughs> This isn't for everyone, you'll know if this is for you, but if this is for you, just hear this at the start. You are too busy. You're too busy, you're doing too much. You're constantly tired. Uh, And so you're cut off from deep relationship with others, you're cut off from catching up with yourself, you're cut off from true spiritual power because you can't get past the shallows You're always running and running and running and running to keep up. You are too busy. And if that is for you, if that does describe you, there's an invitation tonight from, from the Lord of the Sabbath, from the one who said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. That's the invitation that the Lord has for us tonight. And if you would like, if, if, if you think that that might be for you and you, you do want to experience true rest, not just physical, spiritual rest, then Sabbath will be a crucial discipline, but it's just a way of engaging with what the Lord Jesus has already died to bring us. So, so let's dive into these stories, Mark chapter 2 and from verse 23, and see what God's word has for us today one sabbath jesus was going through the cornfields and as his disciples walked along they began to pick some ears of corn the pharisees said to him look why are they doing what is unlawful on the sabbath he answered have you never read what david did when he and his companions were hungry and in need in the days of abbie the high priest he entered the house of god and ate the consecrated bread which is lawful only for priests to eat and he also gave some to his companions Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, so two stories next to each other from the start of Jesus' ministry, uh, both reflecting different aspects of Sabbath, and both part of a broader portrayal in the first half of Mark's gospel, uh, answering the question, who is Jesus? Who is this man? What's his identity? Where did he get this authority? Uh, and these two stories in particular raising the question, what, it, what is the Sabbath for? What's Sabbath all about? And it's clear, isn't it, that the Pharisees had completely the wrong end of the stick, Uh, sabbath was commanded in the old testament it's one of the 10 commandments Uh, and we read in exodus chapter 20 the lord says to the people of israel that on the sabbath day they are to have a sabbath to the lord their god and to do no work and then he grounds it in creation and says for in six days the lord made the heavens and the earth but on the seventh day he rested and hallowed the sabbath day and made it holy so honor a sabbath to the lord your god but the problem is that the Pharisees had taken that command, that good command, and, and they'd made it an end rather than a means. They hedged it round with so many extra rules and rules and rules that were designed to make sure that they never broke the Sabbath day. So the big debate in Jesus' time was whether you could spit on the ground in the Sabbath, on the Sabbath Because if you did, the Conservatives said, you'd spit on the ground, that spit might make mud when it hit the earth. And that would be working on the Sabbath, so you'd have broken the command. And there were some raging liberals in the other school who said, well, actually, if you spit and it makes mud, that doesn't count as work. You can spit on the ground on the Sabbath day. It's that level of debate. They had completely missed the point, trying to follow the letter of the law and lost its spirit, missed the wood for the trees to the point that we get these two stories. The disciples are walking through the grain fields, and they're hungry, so they pick some corn, some wheat to chew on. And the Pharisees say, that's work. You've picked wheat on the Sabbath. You can't do that. That's work, because they've added all of these laws. And then in the in the synagogue, in the second story, a man who clearly needs a healing, they say, you can't heal him on the Sabbath, even though it would be good for him, because that would count as work. And so Jesus says to these people who have completely missed the point. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's saying it's not meant to be legalistic. It's not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be life-giving. It is a gift, a gift from the Lord of the Sabbath. So why has God given us the Sabbath? How can we honour it appropriately? How can we receive it as we're meant to, as a gift and not a burden? Well, we've been given the Sabbath by the Lord of the Sabbath as a gift to help us to know him better. And we honour the Sabbath when we use it as a means to help us to come closer to its Lord. And so the first thing about Sabbath, there's two parts to this. First thing about Sabbath is it is about stopping. Sabbath is the discipline of stopping, of stepping back. Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, and you can see why in the Ten Commandments. A day to do no work, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And notice that the Sabbath is, is made before the fall, before people have done anything wrong. It's not a response to sin, to the fact that we get addicted to work and work too hard. It's there in our DNA. It's how we were created. And notice too that God calls most of the things he creates good. And then when he makes humans, he calls us very good. But the Sabbath is the first thing in the scriptures to be called holy, sacred, set apart for God, sacred time that is devoted to God. And so honoring the Sabbath requires us to stop what we're doing, to step back. It's a different kind of day. But that is a lot easier said than done in practice, isn't it? Because it's so countercultural, and particularly now after COVID and with remote work, where even the lot, most people used to go to work and then you could come back from work and, in theory, switch off when you got back home. But now our work has invaded our homes, and we live in this hyper-connected world where there's always another email, always another notification, always another thing trying to grab your attention back to the phone, or always another demand on your time and your energy. And the problem about the accelerated pace of our culture is that we get so tired that when we do rest, we rest, if you're anything like me, we can so easily rest in an unhealthy way, Um, scrolling on social media, binge watching Netflix, doing things that seem easy and low effort but that aren't going to leave us refreshed after 30 minutes or an hour or two hours because we've forgotten what true rest looks like. And the pull of our digital addictions is so strong, we're permanently distracted. And the church is meant to be different. But even in the church, so often we are too busy. How do you know if you're too busy? You're too busy when someone says, how are you? And your response is busy. That's proof that you're too busy. We are failing to model a better way of life. And the thing is that as believers, the believer's rest is grounded in God's work. He earns it and we experience it the the world works the other way around you work hard all week and then you earn your weekend rest you work hard all day and then you get to chill out in the evening the world's rest is performance earned but the believer's rest god's rest it's by grace it's given freely as a gift and we don't work in order to rest but we are given the gift of rest because God is at work. God creates the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he creates this holy day, this Sabbath to rest, and he invites us in to join it. There's actually a poetic suggestion in Genesis 1 that the seventh day never ends. Day one, there was morning, and then there was evening the first day. There was morning, and there was evening the second day, all the way through to the sixth day. But on the seventh day, we don't read, and there was morning, and there was evening the seventh day. There's this suggestion that the Sabbath day never ended. God is still resting. The seventh day still continues, and there's an invitation to the people of God to experience the rest that we were created for, that Adam and Eve fell away from when they rebelled against God in the garden. My friends, we are called to live a different way. We're called to tune our lives to the pace of grace, not frenetic, not driven. Productive, yes, sacrificial, yes, but not harried. And the discipline of Sabbath is given to help us to retune ourselves, who've been trained wrong by the media and the world around us and our work and all of the other inputs, to retune ourselves to God's rhythms. To remember that because he is at work, we don't have to be. That all the plates that I think I'm spinning, and if I stop, the whole thing would come crashing down because I'm the creator and sustainer of the universe but I'm actually not. He is. And so we can put ourselves on the receiving end of the gift of God because he's the creator and we are not. And two of the key disciplines of this, this stopping, are silence and solitude, perhaps two of the least popular disciplines in the church today silence and solitude not popular concepts a few years ago the BBC showed a program called the monastery which I found fascinating they took six people from um, everyday life a couple were Christians a couple were atheists a couple weren't particularly religious but believed in something more and they these normal six people joined in the rhythms of a monastery where the monks lived in silence they ate with the monks and they spent their time there and every um, now and then they'd sit to camera and kind of talk to the camera about their experience And two fascinating things about that program and the experience of these six ordinary people. The first is, every single one of them had a breakdown at some level. Because in the silence, they couldn't run away from themselves anymore. And in our hurried and harried running we, we don't pay attention to what's going on under the hood, our anger or our fear or our frustration. We're too busy to engage with what's really going on. And often we're running away from something that we don't want to admit is there that we've brushed under the carpet. And in the silence, they couldn't run anymore. And so they all came to a real emotional low point at some time in their stay because in the silence, they couldn't hide. And the second thing is that they all left that experience having encountered God in some way. No preaching, no evangelism. But a couple of them became Christians after that experience. The ones who didn't had some encounter with the spiritual and became, one of them's a practicing Buddhist now. They didn't have categories or words for what they'd experienced. But in the silence and the space, God was able to break in. And they all had an encounter with him in some way, however they choose, chose to respond to it. And the thing that we often get wrong about the disciplines of silence and solitude today is that we think they're meant to be fun they're for introverts who just want some downtime. But if you're an extrovert, you can't do them because that would be painful. That would be awful. There are you know, lots of people say an hour in silence by myself. That's my worst nightmare. But that's kind of the point. Solitude isn't meant to be fun. It's meant to be work. The desert fathers went into the wilderness not to go and sunbathe, not to go and sunbathe by an oasis, but because they knew it was the place of spiritual warfare. We practice silence and solitude. We stop and take ourselves alone with the Lord because then it's what is inside us that really comes out. We come face to face with ourselves and we can't hide from ourselves and so we can't hide from him and we encounter the Lord and move deeper with him. It is spiritual work, not a holiday. So there's the first thing. Sabbath is a discipline, a discipline of stopping and stepping back and stripping away all the things that distract us and hold us back from knowing him. And the second thing then that comes from that is Sabbath is also about a stepping in. Sabbath is about celebration. It's a stepping in to the life that is to come. Sabbath is a foretaste of heaven. Sabbath is not just Sabbath from work, but Sabbath to the Lord. Not just rest from work, but rest to the Lord. Not sunbathing by a beach, but pursuing him, pressing in to seek God. Jesus says Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, And so Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And what does the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who created it, the one who defined it, the one who gave it to us, what does he do on the Sabbath? Well, he goes into a synagogue and he heals a man who needed to encounter God, a man who had a problem, had a shriveled arm, he heals him. And actually, as you go through the Gospels, you'd be amazed how often the miracles, the healings that Jesus does take place on the Sabbath. Because they're a sign of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God into this world. The Sabbath was made for humanity. We were designed, created to experience God's rest. And whereas Adam and Eve fell away from it in their rebellion, and the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament again and again failed to enter, Hebrews 4 tells us, God's rest because of their sin. In Jesus, God's rule and God's reign, they're breaking in to this world. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And in knowing him, you and I, we are welcomed into the Sabbath rest for the people of God that we were designed and created for, that we first fell away from in Eden. And Sabbath is the picture of Revelation 22, the the life of the world to come. Today, we're invited to lean into that relationship through the practice of the discipline of one day in seven. don't know if you'd noticed before but sabbath the 7 day rhythm of the week is one of our few units of time that's not set for us by the earth and the sun why is a day 24 hours because that's how long it takes for the earth to spin on its axis why is a year 365 days that's how long it takes for the earth to go around the sun why is a week one why is a week 7 days long not because it was set for us by the earth and the sun it's not about the universe it's about us it's about people a week is 7 days long because that's how god created us in genesis to take one day in seven to be still and to encounter him. Sabbath is the biblical picture of the life to come. It's a day that we rest as if all our work is done, a day that we glimpse eternity and the kingdom of heaven. And in the Old Testament, people had the day, they had the practice, the discipline of one day in seven, and they had all the rules, but they'd missed the relationship. They'd missed the point. They got the letter of the law, but not its spirit. Uh, And so in the New Testament, we find Jesus who is the Lord of the Sabbath, the way that you and I enter God's rest. And so we now 24-7 live in relationship with God, some of the quality of this life. But he doesn't get rid of the day. He keeps the Sabbath day as a marker, as a pointer to that kind of life, that kind of relationship with God that we're meant to be living all the time, a foretaste of heaven, a discipline that points us to what has been won for us on the cross, He doesn't replace the Sabbath day, but he elevates the whole week to a new level for those who live by the Spirit of God. And he invites us in him to receive not just physical rest, but something far deeper, spiritual rest, peace with God, the relationship with him we were designed for. And so Sabbath is the gift of Jesus who is Lord of the Sabbath. It's not something you have to try harder to do. It's not just another thing to try and try harder to achieve. It's something that we are invited to slow down in order to receive. It's Jesus' achievement. Jesus is inbreaking into our world. Jesus' gift won for us by His blood on the tree. It's His invitation. To you and to me, the question is, will we embrace it or ignore it? And so, my question for you, as we uh, come into land, is very simply: How are you practicing the Sabbath? Are you taking advantage of this this wonderful, this countercultural, life-giving invitation from God? And are you using it to draw closer to Him, to supercharge your spiritual battery, one day in seven? Are you making the space to seek Him and Him first? Or are you, as is so easy to do in a world like ours, letting life happen to you, distracted by the frenetic pace of life and so willing to settle for the shallows of the spirit? Because to go deep, it takes time. And the reality is that some days, life is coming at us from all directions. and on a Wednesday morning, I might only have five minutes to read the Bible, say a prayer, say, Lord, help me, and off we go into the day. Some days are like that. That's not sin, that's just reality. But if that kind of rushed tick box is your everyday reality, and we never go deeper than that, when that becomes the norm, we have missed something about how we were designed to live. Um, my Sabbath is on a Friday. I'm very grateful Sarah gets up with the kids on a Friday and I get an extra hour in bed, in bed which is bliss. I don't want to get up when I do get up, but uh, I have a couple of hours and I take a couple of hours at the start of the day while Sarah takes the kids and then Sarah takes a couple of hours in the afternoon while I take the kids and when, she, when Sarah gets a couple of hours she gets in the car drives off to a coffee shop to be surrounded by people and journals in a room with people I don't get it but that's her um, I lock myself in my study away from all human beings and I just spend time with the Lord but there's no right way to do Sabbath the right way is to make space to meet with Jesus whatever that looks like for you. And in the afternoon, we'll go out and get outside and walk in the forest. It's a day where everything else stops so that only those things which are life-giving and feed our souls and which help us to meet with our maker are prioritized. It's my deepest connection with the Lord each week, a Friday morning alone in my study with the Lord. It's a taste of the world to come. That's what it looks like for me. My Sabbath won't look like yours. We're all wired differently. But we are all invited to stop in order to press in. And the thing is, Sabbath doesn't happen by accident. Uh, It requires intentionality. We have to choose it because we have the time. How much time did you spend on Instagram or Facebook or Netflix this week? You have the time. We just don't make it a priority. But because it requires intentionality, it also requires community because life is pressured and we will need help to do it. Uh, particularly if you've got young kids or if you've got a, work or, a, or you're in a season of life where at the moment everything is coming at you and you put, barely find space to breathe. Perhaps you're a full-time carer. And if you're in one of those situations where there's so much pressure, we will need help to do this. We can't do it alone, and Sabbath's not an individual thing, it's a corporate thing. It's for all of us as the people of God together, and so one conversation to have this week, I can't tell you how to do it because our lives are all different, is to talk through with your family or your closest friends or your flatmates or whoever you do life with how we can help each other to embrace this discipline of Sabbath. It's a community thing. We have to be able to give it to each other and to help each Ourselves walk together into this space. So it requires intentionality, it requires community, it requires preparation. It will not happen by accident. Because in this world there is always more to do. The question is, are we prioritising what is most important? You probably know that old illustration of the professor who at the start of term puts a, jar, a big jar in front of his students and he fills it with rocks and he says, is the jar full? And they say yes. And then he pours in gravel and it goes all the way around the rocks until it's full up of gravel and he says, is the jar full? And they say yes. And then he pours in sand and the sand goes all the way around the gravel until the jar's full and is it full? Yes. And Then he pours water in and the water saturates the sand until it's all full of water. Now is the jar full? And they wonder if he's tricking them but he says, yes, it is now full. And the point is, Not that you can always fit more in, because at some point when you keep ramming it in, the jar will eventually explode, won't it, under the pressure. It's not that you can always fit more in. The point is, you have to put the big rocks in first, because there will always be more gravel and there will always be more sand. But you have to put the big rocks in first. Family, first. God, first. Sabbath, first. We have to put the big rocks in first. My friends, the Sabbath was made for us. It's not a burden, it's not legalistic, it is a gift. It's a gift from the Lord of the Sabbath who broke into this world that by laying down his life for us on the cross and dying in our place, you and I might receive the life of the world to come, the Sabbath rest of the people of God that we were created for in Genesis and have fallen away from through our sin. It is the achievement of Jesus the invitation of Jesus. It's the gift of Jesus. But it needs to be received. Can I invite us this week not to squander his gift, not to ignore it or hold it lightly, but to step back in order to step in to relationship with our glorious, beautiful Savior, to enter into the rest of God, to press past the shallows and into the deep where the Lord meets us with his peace. Can I invite you to stand? And if the band would come back. And let's pray together for the Lord to meet us in this place. We pray the oldest prayer of the church. We pray, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of life and peace. Come, Spirit of rest. Come, Spirit of Jesus, and fill your people again, we pray. You might find it helpful to hold out your hands as a posture of wanting to receive the gift the Lord Jesus wants to give you. And let's take some time in the quiet just to make space and allow the Lord to minister to us. you're thinking I would love this but how how can this be and the Lord doesn't take away all the pressures that we're facing externally the pressure of the world remains but he meets us in that place strengthens us from within gives us all we need shows us the way forward gives us wisdom so if you are feeling I I want this but I can't see how it's possible invite the Lord in say Lord help me lead me show me Some of us there's a as a work of repentance of saying lord i'm sorry for how i've acted as if you weren't there for how i've acted as if i'm invincible as if i can carry it all by myself i lay that down i know that i can't bear it anymore would you come and take it from me you're god and i'm not a, a laying down of responsibility where we've put ourselves in his place receiving the freedom of trusting in him